All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the HC Conversations podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Paul. Hi, Phil. How's it going, man? Not bad. That's good. That's good to hear. we got a couple things to talk about today, so let's just get right into it, shall we? Yeah. Phil, how are you doing? Oh, oh I thought we were going to get right into it, but I'm doing good. Um, I, felt, I felt like it was disingenuous for you to ask me how I was doing and me not to ask you how you were doing. But here's the question. Is it really genuine? I couldn't think of what the opposite of disingenuous was, because I'm like, if it's the opposite of disingenuous, is that... Genuous? Like, oh no, genuine. <laughs> is it genuine for us to ask how one another are doing on the podcast because we've already spent an hour talking about how we're doing <laughs> before we start recording? A little bit, but something could have happened between them that, you know, could just change everything. That change everything? Like, I got another nice full cup of coffee, so mm-hmm. I'm just blessed, brother. Mm-hmm. I'm blessed. Blessed and highly caffeinated. Mm. A big shout out to our friends at Phoenix Roasters. Man, right. I, I miss them. Our brothers and sisters in Georgia. Georgia on my mind, man. When I say there's Georgia on my mind, I'm talking about all of our, our good friends and partners in ministry down there. So if they're listening to this, which <laughs> highly doubtful because <laughs> I think we got like 10 people that listen to this or something, maybe not even that much. But anyway, I digress. Um, we're going to get into it today talking about... Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Need a drum roll? Okay. <laughs> we may talk about a lot of things, but we're going to start the conversation around religious freedom. Oh. Okay. Okay. And what prompts... I'm handing you the baton. What, what prompts us to talk about religious freedom? Like, is there something that has happened recently? Well, there's lots of some things that have happened recently, but one of the things that, that I saw a lot over the last week, as it was Easter, as it was Holy Week... Um, I would see you know videos getting shared of uh, of like police shutting down religious gatherings. Hmm. Um, I saw some from I think it was the UK over in London, um, and I saw one for sure from Canada. Uh, and these were kind of more like high church uh, you know traditions where it's like, hey, it's Holy Week, and we've got very specific like we are doing this on this day and having this service, and um, and there were you know laws in place where they're not allowed. To gather right mm-hmm. now, um, physically, like in in that in that kind of a manner, but they were doing it anyway because this was core to their convictions of what they wanted to do. And the authorities came in and shut the service down. And in some cases, like either threatened to fine or arrest people or carried people out of there, um, which is you know kind of kind of a shocking thing to mm-hmm. see. Um, but anyway, so then people who are here, you know, stateside in the U.S. Um, I saw some people who were like up in arms about this and like, this is what's happening. We must stand up for our rights. And I thought that was a, an interesting, interesting launching point. But before I say any more, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I think it is interesting to, to think about, you know, the, the fact that in countries around the world that because of COVID, um, how religious orders and institutions have been treated is sometimes really unfair. Mm-hmm. And we've seen some of that in the states, but not to the same degree as what other states have ha- have seen. Um, and there is concern definitely when there's inconsistency, when it seems like they're targeting religious institutions, but allowing you know sporting events, concerts, non-religious activities to you know take place unhindered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's the case in some of those countries, right. but definitely whenever we see that, it makes us as Americans a little bit uncomfortable because we're like, oh, that's coming to America. It's already here. 
coming Joe, to America. Joe Biden did that to us. You know, he's the Antichrist because Trump was the, the Christ. And yeah, yeah, it's messed up. Yeah, have you ever seen Coming to America? I have not. Okay, that's pretty good. Is it? Yeah, it's funny. Have you said, there's a new one. Have I, you seen I, the advertisements? I, yes, you? because every time I log into Prime, it's like the first thing that yeah, shows. I haven't seen that one yet, but yeah, well, some old school Eddie Murphy. And you said coming to America. And I was like, yes. Um, but yeah, we think it's coming to America. And, and I agree. It's kind of, it was, it was disturbing, you know, whenever I saw, because there's not as much of a cultural difference between looking at Canada and the UK. It's like people look the same. They kind of speak the same language, although they, they speak it more properly than we do. <laughs> and then you, you've got Quebec, which should just be like its own country because they speak French. French <laughs> but anyway, and so it's kind of like, oh, it almost seems like it's happening here, but it's not. Um, and so I, a part of me is like, I understand, like part of me is like, well, you know, hey, as followers of Jesus, we should try to live at peace with everyone and we should love our neighbors well. And what does that look like as, as a term, in terms of our, our physical gatherings? And maybe it's not the wisest thing to do, but then on the other side, um, I understand too that some of them are coming from a church tradition where again, this is not just a regular church service. This was like, these were Holy Week services. This was like, we, like we've, like our people, like our church, our tradition, we've done this for thousands of years. <laughs> well, hundreds of years or, or in, in most cases because they were of, a, I think of like a Protestant, you know, mm -hmm. whatever uh, denomination. But like the church has been around for 2,000 years was, was the point I was getting at. And, and like for some traditions, it's like, we have to do this. And so it's like, Man, it seems really messed up to to not allow that. But then what I also thought was, okay, well if that's what your your Christian convictions hold you to, and you do it, and you get arrested, part of me is like, well, just welcome to historic Christianity. You know, it's like, right. yeah, that sucks, but that's what the church has. That's 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 familiar it's familiar ground for Christians. It's not for Christians in the West for the last, you know, few hundred years we've been super, super comfortable. But in terms of the broader picture of worldwide Christianity in the early centuries, it's like, this is historic Christianity, what happened. So like, it's kind of like that, that, that balance of like, man, I wish it didn't happen and it shouldn't, but at the same time, if it does, it does. But what's more interesting though, is the, the nationalistic kind of, um, layer what we'll call it because i see like some um americans and american christians that are like oh no like how could they do that how could they allow that church service to be shut down and you know you know the pastor to be arrested or whatever talking about the videos that came out of I, the one i think was in uk and the one was in canada whatever um it's like well they don't have a first amendment and like that that is the only difference it's like well it, there, there's a law on the books now that says you cannot gather this is a public health order this is law and so if you do you are breaking the law and what does ha what happens to people who break the law they go to jail right um and so it's strange that we're upset about that uh, from a personal freedoms and rights position because well that's it's a different country but but at the same time just because of of how accessible everything is to us and how we can just peer into all over the world and the culture doesn't seem that different. It almost doesn't seem like a different country. Right. And I think part of it is because it, it is Western culture and it seems so familiar to us. Mm -hmm. The fact that we all pretty much look the same, that we all talk, speak the same language. I don't want to say we all talk the same because we don't. Um, yeah, that makes it, same that language, makes but. it feel like, okay, this is, this is coming a little bit close to home for mm -hmm. us. 
Um, and I've noticed a lot of that recently, especially on social media about Christians, um, afraid of the government coming to take away rights and their ability to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think Jesus had something to say about that. Yeah. In fact, whenever I, I made my, my Facebook post last week about why I chose... Stirring the pot. That's what you were doing. I was <laughs> just no, trying to stir people to follow Jesus. Um, about why I chose to, to receive the vaccine. Um, I got some of that. Uh, not necessarily on my post, but on the people that have shared it. Um, people basically saying, well, this, this has nothing to do with my ability to follow Jesus because the government. It's like, okay, you're not paying attention to my argument, but let's, let's dwell there. I'm pretty sure Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that nothing can stop Jesus and his church, not the Canadian government, not the British government, not the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. The, the church in China it's thriving. is thriving. It's, it's, it's expanding at a rate that in America we cannot even fathom. And yet they don't have the right to freely assemble like we do here in America. So for us to think that if the government were to sum- suddenly take away my right to free speech, my ability to gather as a religious institution, that that would somehow get rid of the church of Jesus, that's a really shallow view of God. Yeah. Um, because we're not trusting God to actually carry out the promises that he said. So it's like, okay, what are we actually trusting God to do? Mm-hmm. Do we actually trust that Jesus can forgive sins? Do we actually trust that Jesus will, at, the, at, at his second coming, you know, make all things new, that he will raise those uh, that have died to new life? Uh, what are we actually trusting God for if we don't believe that he can maintain his church? Yeah, that's interesting. Like, as, as someone, you know, we... we we sit you know, as American Christians in the American context and grateful for our, our freedom of religion. It really is unique um, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, just world histories and governments. It's like, hey, this is, this is it is called the American experiment for, for a reason. Like, this right. is a, a unique thing and it's great. It's a great privilege. But I think what we're getting at is it feels like oftentimes American Christians are, are almost too dependent upon that. Right. Like we can't imagine a Christianity or a faith apart from I can freely gather when I want, where I want, and talk about Jesus. And usually right. that takes the form of um, a Sunday gathering in a building, um, somebody teaching up front, and there's people singing. Like, I mean, just like the, the picture of a church service, we can't uh, you know, think of something else other than that. Like if I don't have that right to gather freely then I can't follow Jesus. Um, And that's like, woo. (laughs) Because again, talking about world history in different, like present day, different regions of the world, the huge, 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 huge majority of Jesus followers throughout history have not had that right. Right. So, yeah. We, it, it, can I say something that might make people mad if we haven't already? Go ahead. I think sometimes as American Christians, we are more, we get more fired up and we are more consumed with the idea of Christianity than actually following Jesus. Like we we are more passionate about defending my Christian rights, defending my religious freedom, defending Christian values than I actually am about saying, regardless of what happens with any of that, even if my Christian rights fall, even if my religious freedom falls, even if the culture just goes to hell in a handbasket, Paul, that let, that doesn't really 
matter because I'm following Jesus. Right, I'm because Jesus, Jesus and his kingdom is eternal and his word stands forever. So no matter what country, what government you're under, our allegiance is to Jesus and to his kingdom. We're first citizens of, of that kingdom and we're going to do what Jesus commands us to do whether a government tells us that we can or not, because again, our allegiance is ultimately to Jesus. And so we, we've got this concern in America because we've, we hear news stories, we see things like this, and we think that religious freedom is under attack. But actually, it's quite the opposite. We have more religious freedom in America today than what we've had at any other point in our American history. Uh, there's been more Supreme Court cases ruling in favor, and that's federal and state Supreme Court, Supreme Court cases ruling in favor of religious organizations yes. and churches mm-hmm. um, than ruling against them. Yeah, And now, that doesn't mean there's not attacks against it, because right. they, they do come up. Um, uh, gosh, one of the, the one of the famous ones was you know the uh, Little Sisters of the Poor, mm-hmm. right? And, and and their ability not to provide um, uh, like abortive patients. Yeah, like that's a word. Huh? Mm-hmm. I was thinking like medications that induce abortions, but apparently it has an actual uh, abortifacients. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, well, that goes against our religious freedom. And like the Supreme Court upheld that. Now. There is still talk, and there's always talk about, hey, we got to, like, from certain sides, like, we got to, we can't let that happen. Like, that's not right. okay. But the point is that, like, when these things come before the Supreme Court over and over and over again, the religious freedom is ruled in favor of. Right. I mean, even with, like, some of the lockdowns and shutdowns of, of church gatherings, um, yeah, sometimes churches gather, even though there's an order not to. That, but then, and so maybe someone gets arrested. But then, if that, if that case goes up the chain, if it goes to the state Supreme Court, the, the federal Supreme Court, Pretty much the rulings have been, yeah, we have to allow people to gather. Right. Uh, and so you know, sometimes we have a little bit of a persecution complex yep. in America. Um, but like religious freedom is there. And um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. There's, there's two different things I want to talk about right now. I don't know which one it is. One is the idea of what, what a church gathering actually is. Okay. And the other is uh, kind of parsing out the difference between religious freedom and Christian privilege. Okay, so let's go there. Let's talk first about uh, what a religious gathering is uh, or church service. So this is one of the things that's driven me crazy, Paul. Crazy. So we've, we've recently come back to our on-site Sunday corporate gathering. Mm-hmm. I hesitate to call that church. Like, because people are like, oh, it's great to see you finally come back to church. I'm like, the church didn't ever close. Nope. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> I, the church did not close. And people will throw Hebrews... Gosh, I think it's somewhere in Hebrews 10. Like, do not forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But I'm like, ah, hubba, 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 hubba. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> like, look at the context of that. Like, the verse uh, preceding and following it, it's like, hey, it, it, do not uh, like, forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, encouraging one another as you see the day coming. And there's these kind of one another clauses that are attached to it that, that the Apostle Paul picks up on all throughout his letters. Now tell me. A Sunday morning church service, how much one-anothering do you do? Mm, right. are you, are you, when you come together and you sit in rows and hear somebody preach and you sing a couple songs together, how much are you actually loving one another and carrying one another's burdens and, and forgiving one another and encouraging and rebuking and all those things? Like, Does that happen on a Sunday morning? No. Not really. I mean, and so not, I'm not saying that that's a you know, broad brush, right. but like usually, no, that's not what Sunday morning church is. And so when the author of Hebrews says, don't give up meeting together, he's not talking about 
hey, don't, you better not stop sitting in rows and hearing somebody preach at you. He's saying, like, don't stop doing what the church actually is, the body of Jesus, mm-hmm. the people of God, loving and caring for each other. And for the most part, that doesn't happen on a Sunday morning. For the most part, that happens in our day-to-day lives. And so, like, for us, you know, this is just, as we approach that, you know, we talked about, hey, we're going to shut down Sunday gatherings for a little while. The church never closed. No. Um, we still had small groups gathering exactly. every week. Our groups were gathering you know. every week. We were looking for different ways. that we, we served in different capacities throughout that time. We got together in different capacities throughout that time. We just stopped meeting in a room on Sunday morning. But the church, if so that, that, that's a deeper problem. If we think that the, the church is that Sunday morning gathering, and we said we, we can't let the church be shut down, then we have a bigger theological problem of what we right. define as churches, which is just funny because in the early days, I saw post after post after post, like people saying, the church isn't the building. It's not about the building and where we gather. I'm like, well, some of those very same people a few weeks or months into it was demanding that we can come back to the right. building. Like, yeah. wait, 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 you told me the church isn't the building. What's going on here? But so anyway, yeah. And, and you know, so for us, it was like, hey, we're trying to figure out what's the best way we can love our neighbors? Um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a verse in, in uh, Acts whenever they're trying to figure out, hey, what's requirements for getting uh, to, to be, you know, a follower of Jesus and, and what are we going to tell the Gentile Christians? And, and they write the letter back to them and says, and what they say is it said, you know, it seemed, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit that this is what we should do. Mm-hmm. In other words, it was like, we don't really have a verse for this. And this may look different for different people, but it seemed good to us. We used wisdom. We talked it out. We got good counsel and the Holy Spirit. We prayed about this. We sought God on this. And so here's the decision we came to. And that's, that's kind of what it was for us right. not meeting. But only because the church isn't closed. And so as it relates to religious freedom, that, that kind of comes into play too because we're, we're having these conversations about like mass gatherings aren't allowed to meet. And actually, a, a lot of places, churches are coming back together for their physical on-site gatherings. So it's not even as big of an issue anymore. It's like churches aren't allowed to meet in that capacity. It's like... But you can still meet in people's homes. Yep. You can still do small groups. You can still get together in somebody's backyard. Now, when the police start showing up, pounding on your door or on your backyard because you've got 10 people there and you're praying together and talking about Jesus and they're throwing you in jail for that, that's when religious freedom is threatened. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, that's, that's just like part of this conversation of we, we've misunderstood what church is. Um, and it's, it's, we're seeing it in this context, but like the, the ramifications of it are a lot broader than that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just in terms of the, Hey, the church isn't being what the church is being is supposed to be in terms of, you know, the, 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 the light and the, and the witness of Jesus to the world, the hands and feet of Jesus, like God's manifest presence on the earth, like working through his body. The church hasn't been that because for so long, not the whole church, but you know, broadly for so long, we've settled for, well, churches, I'm, I'm coming to the building. Right. For a minute, when the pandemic hit, it was like, oh, maybe we're going to see it. Maybe we're going to get back to being what the church was, like in the first century. And they met together in, in, in people's homes. And uh, you know, day after day, they broke bread together. I'm like, oh, maybe we're going to get back to that. And there was like that hopeful optimism for a little while. And then it was like everybody just flipped a switch. It's like, no, we just want to go back to what we know. We just want to go back to what we're comfortable with. We demand our religious freedom. Let us go back to our buildings. Mm-hmm. So... All right. So then you were. I'm gonna, sorry. I'm ranting. Yes, you are. So then you were going to talk about um, the difference between religious freedom and Christian privilege. Yeah. 
this isn't as much of like a biblical thing as it's just like an understanding of what religious freedom is in terms of our constitutional rights. And again, this is a, an American thing. Religious freedom means equal treatment and rights for anybody of any religion. Like, you cannot be persecuted for your religion. The federal government cannot step in and say you cannot worship. The federal government can't enforce you to adopt a certain religion. Like, that's just, that's religious freedom. Um, and there, there, there certainly are some things that in the cultural and societal discourse right now that, that have the potential to threaten religious freedom. Um, and if, if we're really concerned about religious freedom, and I think we should be, I don't think it stands anywhere close to, like, in terms of importance of, like, hey, we're following Jesus. Right. But, like, kind of next level down, citizens of the kingdom first, following Jesus first. But, hey, I'm also, you know, I'm also, like, a representative here. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a citizen of the country that I'm also in. I've got this dual citizenship thing going on. So I want to engage. And so as we talk about religious freedom in that context, if as followers of Jesus we want religious freedom, we need to want that for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so that means we need to not be fighting against but locking arms with uh, Jewish people and Muslim people uh, and other religions as well. But really, you know, Christianity, uh, Islam, and Judaism hold very similar values in terms of like the cultural values uh, as, as we talk about like engaging in culture and where kind of religious freedoms would be would be those are fighting words per persecute i know i know i know i'm like you're like what we're, we're not the same we're not the same but, but in terms of cultural values like the big one is, is in terms of like sexuality and gender and but that, sharia law yo jeez <laughs> <laughs> it's coming to america no it's because we have religious freedom in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Because Sharia law is not coming to America. <laughs> because what we actually want is not religious freedom. We want exactly. Christian, privilege. Christian privilege. We want Christianity to be the preferred religion above all other religions in the United States. And if their rights get stepped on a little bit, but ours get maintained, uh, it's okay. And for a long time, because of the, the impact of Christianity on Western civilization, and it was the broad, accepted cultural narrative, there was Christian privilege. Right. And I think we're losing that, but we don't have the guarantee of Christian privilege. We have religious freedom. Right. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this before, and I was like, well, see, see, Christian privilege is us demanding, I want prayer back in schools. Mm -hmm. And then I say, okay, but which prayer? And you're like, well, the Lord's prayer. I'm like, well, that's not religious freedom. That's Christian privilege. That's Christian privilege. I mean, if if would you be okay with it? Would you be okay with a Jewish prayer in school? Interesting. Because, hmm. I mean, we can yes and amen. You know, the God of the Old Testament. So that, that, that that just popped into my head. But anyway, obviously we see things differently. We're people of the New Covenant. But would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with with your child sitting in a school where there is an Islamic prayer? And you'd be like, well, no, 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 no. It's like, well, then you don't want religious freedom. You want Christian privilege. Mm -hmm. Saying, I want the Bible taught in my kid's school. Okay. Do you want, again, if we're talking about like Judaism, that doesn't, we're good. It's the Old Testament. Um, although that, that's a whole can of worms. Uh, but, but do you want the, uh, the Quran taught in school? Or I don't know what like some of the books or texts would be from like. Um, I don't know what you know, any, like, any Hindu text would Hindu be. Text or, or yeah. you know, something like. Scientology or something. You're like, no, I don't want that taught in school. It's like, well, that's religious freedom. That you, you don't want religious freedom. You want Christian privilege, and so like that. That's when it becomes. It's like, yeah, 
kind of like it's probably, it's probably best that we just don't go there <laughs> in public school or right. whatever like that that argument goes you know to the marketplace to day-to-day life it's like okay there's a difference between religious freedom and christian privilege and this goes back to conversations that we've had many different times on the podcast but i think a lot of that has to do because christians have this false narrative and it's a revisionist history that mm-hmm. america is a christian nation yes that we were founded on Christian principles and just a plain reading of history yeah. will tell you that we're not. Yes, we have a Christian influence, but it's mm-hmm. not a Christian. It's enlightenment values in yes. our constitution. Yes. And that, and that like that, um, that really speaks more to just the, the broader impact that like Christianity had in shaping Western thinking mm-hmm. than it is actually specifically America was a Christian nation right. because there are, there were certainly Christian values in this idea, but it wasn't just a uniquely American thing. It was the impact of Christianity on the West, which shaped a lot of enlightenment right. in this idea of, Oh, we can pursue truth because we're, we're seeking to discover, uh, to discover God and this idea of individual liberties and mm-hmm. freedoms and the value of human beings. It's like, well, yes, that all was shaped by Christianity because that was strange to the world before the, the church and the Jesus movement and that spread, but it was not unique, like a uniquely American thing where it's like, by golly, we're building a Christian nation. Um, when you kind of dig into the history of some of like the founders, some of them, it, it appears, were devoutly Christian. Many of them are like what we see today. They're culturally just kind of like, yeah, I believe in God. <laughs> yep. Which one? I guess if I got to choose, I guess I like this, this God in this Bible here, but I'm not really sure. And yeah. Yeah. And that's a whole, whole topic. So we have Christians wanting preference, but then that also creeps into the church where Christian parents want, want preference for their kids. They want us to disciple mm-hmm. their kids. They want the schools to be discipling or teaching their kids how to follow Jesus. Yeah. But when we open the pages of the Bible, we see it's actually the parents' job to mm-hmm. disciple kids, that it's a partnership between the church and parents. Yeah. But as churches, we can't partner with parents if parents aren't willing to partner with us. We can't help yeah. disciple your kids if you aren't willing to also disciple your kids and put in the work. Um, we can't disciple your kids if you're not willing to show up to one of our environments that we've created to help disciple your kids. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's it's that weird thing. Like, you know, the whole idea of the religious freedom is like, well, why do you want prayer? Like, your kids to have to be like pray in school or read the Bible in school because I want them to learn about Jesus. That's your job to help them learn about Jesus. And right. like you said, the same thing. It, it ha- crosses over into the church too. <clears throat> Here's my kid. You've got them for an hour or two a month. Uh, can you can you please turn them into a committed follower of Jesus? And my answer is no. I can't. <laughs> like, I really can't do that. And then we have people come to us, and you know they're like, "Oh, my kids are going off the deep end. You've got to help me. You've got to save my kids." And it's like, well, it's kind of hard for us to undo 15 years of bad parenting. Um, oh, you're just getting, you're just like, whenever you again show up maybe one Sunday a month and give us maybe maybe one hour a month with your with your child. Yeah. And that so much that comes back to the misconception of church. Yep. You know, it's a Sunday program. And so if it's like it's like, you know, it's like an update to your phone, you gotta plug it in for the update to happen. If I can just get my, you know, even myself or my kids to the Sunday program for the hour, because that's why we got For the update. If I can update, just do this update. If I can just get plugged in for the update, um, 
I was like, no, that's not what, that's not what church is. Oh, hey, look, there's another update. I think I'm going to skip this one. I'm going to skip that. That's what I do on my phone all the time. Like, nah, remind me later. Remind me later. That's what we're doing with church. Hey, we're, we're back in the building. Ah, remind me later. Remind me later. Remind me later. It's like, no, no. The, the church is a body. It's a family. It's part of your personal discipleship process and the discipleship of your kids, but it's a journey that we go on together. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever we've turned it into, hey, Sunday morning, I've got religious freedom, so I can go and meet there. So the rest of the week, I don't have to do anything. It's like, well, that's not what a relationship with Jesus is, man. That's right. not. I don't know. I don't know. I just. I think, and I said this in my my sermon yesterday, and this is kind of like a. I think it's a popular sentiment, but we don't actually grasp the the implications of it. Is that the church moving forward? The future of the church is going to look a lot more first century than 21st century. Mm-hmm. Um, like the first century church was on the outskirts of society. They were weird. They were countercultural. They would, you know, care for the poor and love people and take people in. And, 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 they, and that's what they did every day. They met together before work and they right. prayed together and they did all of those things versus the 21st century church. And the last couple centuries before that has been in a position of power and it's been a cultural thing. And I go do my Sunday morning thing. And, and if the church is going to be the church, and if we're going to follow Jesus, it needs to look a lot more like that first century thing. Yeah. And I think that's a popular sentiment. People are always like, yeah, we've got to be counterculture like the first century. We want to be an Acts 2 church. I mean, Acts 2, that they met together and you know they broke bread. and they. But they also held all things in common. What? I think we both listened to that podcast. Someone's like, yeah, Acts 2 is like the most socialist chapter in the Bible. I'm like, it's really true. Because like they sold everything and they shared it with one another. Um, but yeah, so like we say we want that. But do we really want that? Because... The, the fleshed out living power of the gospel is found in that kind of transformative community. Yeah. That's like, okay, no, we are going to do this day in and day out together. And we're going to go on a discipleship journey together. Um, and if we have religious freedom, great. If we don't, we'll go to jail together too, because that like this, this is our people. This is our heritage. This is what followers of Jesus do. We are known for our radical love of each other and our communities. And we will love them. Even if they hate us, even if we throw them in uh, us in jail, it's like, Hey, we're going to sing to Jesus in jail, just like Paul and Silas did. Yep. And then when we get broken out and the jailer's like, oh no, I don't want to die. Like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus too. Like, we're going to just, just love people and sacrifice. And if it kills us, it kills us. Because that's the Jesus way. Yep. And people hear that. And like, that does one of two things. You're either really excited, like, man, that's the kind of faith I want. Or you're like, that sounds like too much. That's too big of a commitment. And it's like, that's kind of the reaction that people had to Jesus too. Yep. So, I don't know. All right. Well, I don't have anything to add to that. We've rambled enough for this morning. Yeah. We, we threw about, around talk about the vaccine, but I think we might save that till next time. Just Because <laughs> we ta- we've talked about it a lot. Just get vaccinated. It's the loving thing to do for your neighbor. <laughs> I got vaccinated. If you listen to this, you, you obviously have some degree of trust for us. <laughs> you trust me. I trust the science. I trust the Christian scientists who helped make this possible. Just get vaccinated. Yeah. And I agree, even though I haven't been, because I've already, I, I, I had COVID recently, so I'm going to wait a little while for the vaccine. So. Yep. <laughs> Got vaccinated the hard way. Yep, you did. 
All right. Well, thanks for, for bearing with us for listening to this podcast. Uh, if you like what you heard, go ahead and leave us, leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Or if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and click like. Uh, if you've got any questions, any topics you'd like us to address in the podcast, you can email us at info at hopecommunityonline.org. Um, and make sure that you share this podcast with your friends. Get the news out the about out. Uh, how we're trying to navigate what it looks like to follow Jesus in the 21st century. Yep. Have a great week. See you.